It's a freezing cold day of the funeral. He's gonna be buried up on top of a hill. They carry the casket to the top of the hill. They get to the top of the hill. It's freezing cold out. He busts through the bottom of the casket. He's rolling down the hill. He's wearing a shroud and the shroud just pops up. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Cases Gone Wild. We have a very special guest today that I'm going to introduce you to, our first judge who's come on the show. We're very happy to have him. Cases Gone Wild is brought to you by Marco Law. We're me, John Marco. I've been an attorney for about 20 years, and I've seen some of the craziest, <laughs> most insane, just ridiculous cases gone wild that you will not believe. And today, we're going to talk to Judge Draper a municipal court judge in Gross Point who's going to talk about some of his practice and some of the crazy cases that he's had. If you like our show, please share it. Please like us. Please leave a review. Please tell us how we're doing. Uh, also, remember, we have video, so you can watch us live. You can watch the video of this that we dressed up nice for you today <laughs> on our YouTube channel of Marco Law, or please listen wherever you go on all your Audible and other stations. I'd like to get right into it and introduce Judge Draper. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thanks so much for your help and thanks for having me on. It's been uh, it's really been an honor to sit on the bench and be elected by the city of Gross Point. Um, love my residents. Love being on the bench. And it, Gross Point's weird. Most courts start January first. You know, it's like okay, it's a fresh start. In Gross Point, it, by ordinance right before the election the old judge retires and the minute the election is done you are you, judge. you have to go right in let's it. go it's go time yeah so i had amazing. i was lucky i had one of the local judges sat for me the, on the thursday after the tuesday but after that it's hit the ground running well it's an honor to have your honor thank you. on the show thank and thank you. you for being here and congratulations yeah. on Thanks. your on your recent election to the bench absolutely love it. i'd, I'd yeah. like to introduce so let, let's tell the viewers a little bit about you. You sure. went to Lakeshore High School yeah, in St. Clair Shores. Yeah, St. Shores. Yeah, I'm a Shorian uh, from the east side. Always loved Gross Point and always came here for meals or to see friends and what have you and, and moved here in 1990. Uh, my wife and I um, and moved to the farms and now moved to the city a couple years after we were in the farms and we've been uh, just loving Gross Point ever since. That's great. Yeah. And, and uh, you went to U of M for undergrad, right? right? U of M grad in 1987 and love the maize and blue, of course. And we're having some, it's some, a good year. Yeah, it's a good year. Uh, good with that. And then Indiana for law school in 1990 straight through. And, um, I really, really enjoyed Bloomington. It's a, it's a gorgeous part of the country, a little warmer than here. People are really nice, you know, just laid back yeah. town, but really pretty, uh, when the flowers are blooming in the spring and it's like a real sandstone, uh, buildings. It's just, it's just a really pleasant place to, uh, to learn whatever it might be. You know, they've got really right. good law school, uh, great school of music, um, great business school, some really, uh, great, uh, just, just a, a tremendous campus. I love it. And, and you got into the law. My understanding is you told me that you've been in the law for a long time. You started yeah. working as a runner for yeah. a law firm. So when I was 16, so my sister, Jennifer was a lawyer. She's a little bit older than me, not much. 
Uh, but, um, she started and went to law school and worked in law firms. And I was looking for a summer job when I was in high school. She's like, why don't you come work at, at my firm? And so I was at the time it was before e-filing. So everything had to be hand filed. So I worked at a busy law firm starting when I was 16. Once I had a driver's license, I could go to law firms, you know, we weren't really faxing stuff. It was either sending yeah. it and sometimes back like, in the day you had to deliver everything. It had to right? be there that day. You know, everything's last minute. You know how the law is. This is, this is the way it is. So you got to get it there that day. And you know, people are typing and, and throwing it to you and like, get it to this address ASAP, which I had been a delivery boy. My dad had a, uh, a lighting company. So I always drove for him uh, or drove with him. And so I do that and then work at the law firm. And I really loved it. And, and what I think I learned early on is, especially delivering things to court, the judge is fine. You know, judge, good to know the judge, but the clerk, the clerk, the clerk is what's up. And so once you realize that's who you need to befriend and like that can get your schedule working, that can get stuff filed. The timely. clerks will make or break you. So exactly. I don't make them early. upset. Yeah. And it's, you know, some attorneys or some lawyers, um, or, or even their offices are rude to the clerks. Yes. And it, it, so I, I don't understand it. On, on my first motion, somebody had told me this. So on my first motion call, I found out what the clerk's like. And I showed up to court. Yes. And this was a busy, this was in Wayne County, which yep. is the busy court. And on Fridays, there'd be hundreds of lawyers there. It's one of the busiest courts in the nation. By and numbers. I would show up and I showed up on the first day on my first motion. It was Judge Zielkowski. Yep. Uh, who's no longer with us. He R.I.P. passed away. Yep. And I showed up, I found out they like Frappuccinos. So I showed up with a whole tray of Frappuccinos for his nice. entire court staff. Nice. And all these other lawyers are looking at me like, what are you doing? And the clerk never forgot that. They won't. And it's little things it's like little that. Things. And and by the by the opposite, right? You could say something because you're in a rush or you were late or what rude, have you. Yeah. And they won't forget that they either. They won't forget that either. Being a court clerk is a hard job. Oh. The pay's crap. Yes. You get... You get crapped on pushy, by just about pushy everybody. Lawyers pushy can, lawyers. Everybody's got to be in 10 places. Yeah. But that's what I was going to say. Like, you see, I know you have one of the busiest practices going. And there's not enough Marco to go around. So you got to right. be in all these courts. And and it's not like Wayne County and Oakland County and Macomb go, oh, well, John's trial schedule is as follows. They issue the date. The judges do what they want. They right? said, yeah, yeah, today's the motion. Today's the status conference, whatever. So you're juggling all the time. And if you have that friend or even like at least somebody that's amenable to you know, your request. Helping you. You they can, can go make, talk to the judge, right? Like they can, can make you, your life a hundred times easier or a hundred times harder. Exactly. However you want to play it. And it's funny. I saw that too with lawyers as I was a young guy and I see, Oh, they'd show up with cookies or whatever. And you're like, that's cheesy. But then you're like, it's brilliant because it can, then that guy like can show up at 1130 and no one squawks or, yeah, exactly. or the date gets moved magically. And you're like, how did that happen? You know, you're exactly. Like, Cause the little smart. things that count. Yeah. So, so, all right. So you, uh, d before you became a judge and yeah. now we're going to talk about municipal judge. I'm yes. going to introduce that, yeah. but you, I understand you did some, ins some insurance defense right. work yep. and a lot of criminal work. Yeah. And and some of the cases that you told me oh. about that we're going to talk about today are crazy. There's yeah. going to be a lot of today, a lot of sex, sex cases, strip clubs, sex lies and videotape. That's what it is. That's bars what and it stuff is like that. I can't, I wish we could do, uh, uh, have some video backup to this and, and, uh, 
that would be an interesting one because you get, you know what? And now in all your cases, you get video, you know, like you get video evidence. People are wearing body cams. There's dash cams, particularly in the criminal work I do. It's a lot easier than it used to be. Right. And then, and on the front of businesses, they've got cameras and oftentimes inside the re uh, restaurant, bar, place of business, they've got a video cam so you can see what really happened. And I'll, a lot of times clients will come to me and say, well, this is how it went down. And I go, okay, I'll, I'll listen to them, but you have to a lot of times wait for the video and you go, well, it's not true that the person just came up and punched you rather, you know, you, you kicked them first or yeah. did something and then they reacted. So I, I have to uh, take my client's stories sometimes with a grain of salt. But to your earlier point, I started at uh, a firm called Kitsch downtown, did medical malpractice defense for two years. And that was great for uh, the simple purpose of you get to learn how to read a medical record. And I think I know in your practice, it is huge. A lot of medical. You, I would just sit with a stack of medicals and you learn the shorthand and you learn what to look for. And like, you know, what's a GSW, gunshot wound. And you learn about a fracture and, and whatever. And once you could read that shorthand really quick, you can look at 100 pages and say. Way quicker. That's the one page that's. And, and you can find, I would say in almost every case, there's a diamond in the rough. There's a piece of paper there. If you're willing to order all the records, read all the records and, do your and understand them. That's where yeah. those cases are. A lot of lawyers don't understand the medicine. We have to understand the medicine in what we do because yeah. it's not just about, uh, it's about the pain or the suffering or the hurt that was caused to our, to my clients. Yeah. And so you have to understand the medicine. A lot of lawyers don't understand. The and medicine. for your clients, you need to know that 10 years ago they had a, a car accident and they had a, a back injury, but this one's different. That was in exactly. their lower back and this one's in their neck. And, and with a broad brush, well, they had a pre-existing back injury. Wait a second. That one's different, right? And they healed from that and now they got a new thing. And what I found in the criminal work is learning because I learned in a civil uh, aspect originally and learned how to read those medical records and got experts and had an expert and you pick pick any medical uh, you know area um, if you use that in the criminal you can really help yourself because most criminal lawyers did not have that training right. that you and I have had I guess with civil work and talking to doctors hiring doctors hiring experts deposing doctors I felt like when you really get into a case and I know you do this if it's about a wrist injury, you almost become like like an expert in that area because you, you hire people and you're reading treatises on it and you're cross-examining and you're hearing both sides of, well, we didn't screw up. Well, you did screw up, you know, and, and you, right. as the lawyer, you really have to be really conversant in every area. Uh, right. Just, you know, for that moment, you got to know that area. Absolutely. Now, one thing that's very interesting, so you were just elected yeah. what's called a municipal judge. There are four of us in the state of Michigan, only it, it, four. It's an anomaly compared yeah. to most judges. So for our listeners who aren't in law, yeah. when you become a judge, you can't do anything else. In right. fact, ethically, you have to sell or give up your practice. So let's say that you own a law firm. Yeah. If you become elected a judge or appointed a judge, it's over. Your right. career is over. But a municipal judge is this very special thing where yeah. you get to keep your law practice right. and you're a judge. Right. How does that work? It's so it's so unusual. And now I guess it makes sense, as I was saying, where you get elected in November and then you don't take the bench till January in most cases, for most people, because they have to give up their practice. I didn't. So I cannot practice in the city of Gross Point. That's uh, verboten. But I can practice anywhere else in the state. In fact, I'm uh, it's assumed I will because none of the judges, the four judges, the, the one judge does two of the gross points, and that's our judge, uh, Birchback, 
does the farms and the shores, but the rest of us each have a singular gross point. So, so you're like a judge, points. like how many days a week are you a judge? So it's every other Thursday, but as I found, and I've only been doing it for a couple of months, but I found that it's a lot more than that. It's a day a week, I yeah. would say, because people will get arrested at odd hours and I have to have an arraignment. Last Friday, I was at a lunch with my parents and oh, I get a text and a call from the clerk. Hey, can you can you zip over here and do an arraignment? I had to zip over and do an arraignment for a guy that got locked up. They had gone in and arrested somebody. He had- uh, So you, you have know. to be on call yes. as, the, as, a as a judge, but that's great. You get to keep I, your practice. Yes, that's key. Yeah, and I so love what, it. Hey, yeah. So what do you do? Like, what if you're like at a party and you're yeah. having some cocktails and then they say, hey, we got to do an arraignment. Like, it hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened yet. Okay. And, and now the good news is if something happened, if you were out of town, if maybe you had a cocktail or two, and you really weren't in a position to take that that uh, arraignment, you know, to, to throw the yeah. robe on and come in, the other judges all cover for each other in the points. And I've been appointed to cover for them. Oh, and they've been good. appointed to cover for me. So if that was the case, I'm in Florida or, or whatever. Now with Zoom, you actually can appear remotely. Uh, right. You know, I've had, I've, had cool. court, I've had motions and the judges in Florida on vacation yeah. and stuff, yep. which is, it's a different world now. It but. is. So today you can do that. Back in the day, pre-Zoom, you would have said, okay, Gross Point Park judge, Gross Point Farms judge, come come uh, visit for Physically. Draper because he's gone. Right, you know, right. Or unavailable for whatever reason. Well, thanks, Judge, for being on the yeah. show. Let's get right into some yeah, of let's the talk. craziest yeah. cases because yeah. you've had, because you've had kind of a diverse career and, you, and yeah. you've been doing You've had some insane cases. You've had, uh, t tell us about, p pick one of your favorite cases yeah. gone wild so, to get started. Okay, with. so yeah, quickly. So I started with that med mal defense. I did that for a couple of years. And then I went in-house with a carrier, an insurance carrier, and just did bars, okay? Bars, now, restaurants. bars are breeding grounds for cases gone wild. Everybody's, there's always alcohol involved. Sometimes, I mean, it's just, it's a bar. It's Sometimes a bar. there's drugs involved. There's often drama over this one's uh, dating this one and they get in a fight over a girl. They get in a fight over, I can't tell you how many pool table fights that have led to lawsuits that I've had to defend. So I'm generally defending the bar. So I, 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 was, um, I was just thinking back to a case I had in Southwest Detroit. It was a pub in Southwest Detroit. I'm defending the, the bar, these two groups of women. And, and it was interesting, if you saw them in the light of day, very attractive, both groups very well put together, actually well to do but they got into it over some drinks over the pool table one girl threw a pool ball at another girl oh my gosh one girl got thrown over the pool table and claimed that she exploded her breast implants on the pool table and that was her claim of damages and got her weave ripped out so she and i can't remember the weave cost a thousand dollars or some i, Wait, I didn't know i didn't look it i should find out about this but <laughs> But I don't, you know, this is, I'm saving money on this. But anyways, the weave gets pulled out. They can't find the weave. The one girl goes back in to find the weave after they finally break up the part, break, break up the fight. They get the girls out of there and bouncers will tell you when these girls get into it, they're just every bit as dangerous as, as two big guys going at it. Sometimes yeah. the girls are tougher. They got nails and, uh, and some of them fight, fight for, uh, for to the for death, life, you yeah. know, but, but so they so get they these girls apart. That, yeah. That her breast implants exploded so, inside of her yeah, body. Yeah, so she had to go get new implants. Now, of course, they had to be bigger, newer, better. So right. we get her medical records. Going back to our earlier point, now it turns out she had gotten three or four sets, and this was the you know the final set at that time that she wanted the insurance company to pay for. And so we hired an expert who was actually a local doctor, a great 
plastic surgeon, and he comes into the courtroom, and and we end up this go to trial, trying the case. We end up trying oh, the went case. Oh, went to full blown trial. Yes, in front of Judge Torres in Wayne Circuit, who was a fabulous judge, also no longer with us, but a really really good guy. Um, so the expert brings out a hammer and, and has in the a breast courtroom? implant in, in the, the courtroom, courtroom and ba-bang, he bangs out. And he it. starts hammering the breast implant with a hammer? So that it cannot, it could not have burst on the, uh, on the, Are on they the that pool strong? table. They're really strong. And the, the jury sided with us ultimately. And He's found literally hitting no the cost. breast implant with a hammer. With a hammer to now, show. See, now that's crazy. So that's yeah. like. That's a danger zone because yeah. what if the breast implant blew up? You don't know what's going to happen. And so, yeah, I mean, as the defense attorney, and I'm calling this witness, if that thing breaks, I'm essentially making the plaintiff's case. You're making that. That's like the OJ glove. Right. The, the prosecution it, had him put on the glove. Yeah. Remember? And if it backfired. If it, it fits and it didn't perfectly. Fit him. And it, it didn't, didn't fit. fit him. Now, granted, it had been dried for years. You know, it had yeah, been yeah, dried yeah, for yeah, maybe yeah, one yeah. or two years at that time. It, but those are that's why those are those live demonstrations are dicey, dicey. But that's bold, but it worked. Right, right, but it worked in that case, but you never know. And you, you know, never know. See, yeah. I find that bars have crazy cases. Yes. And I also find that a lot of shady stuff oh. goes on at bars. And you know what? Video goes missing yeah. all, all, all the, the time. time. Yes. I had a case. I represented a judge's family ah. in Royal Oak. The judge mm -hmm. was not from Royal Oak. He was from uh, a circuit up north. Yeah. But he had a son who went to Royal Oak bars. Now, for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the Royal Oak, it there's a strip of bars in Royal Oak where it is like pretty wild. I mean, there's the 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 young twenty something, you know, twenty one to, to thirty. Go. It's the yeah. place to go. Right. If you go there on a Friday or Saturday night, you can't park. It's you can't packed. park. Lines You're gonna have a bunch door. of drunk kids. Uh, you know. I used to go there when I was young, right? It was the place. It was the place to go. For a certain part of time in life, right? Yes. So uh, I this I get a call from this judge's family and says, there's been a horrible incident. Our son was at a bar in Royal Oak, and he's in the hospital with a traumatic brain bleed. Mm. And he's been punched in the face by a bouncer. We don't know exactly what happened. He fractured his skull. Ooh. Now, these... What I find in bar cases is there's almost always, unless you have a really bad dive bar, mm -hmm. they all have video. They have video on the outside and on the inside, not only for like security reasons, but because bar industry, people steal. <laughs> yes. Right? That is, that's number one is it's along the bar so they can watch the people either. It's either at the door for the guy taking the, the, taking the, money. Taking the money or at the till where they're bringing in the money for the drinks. So we always, so there's usually video, but I find in cases the video goes missing a lot. Okay. <laughs> they always yeah. say, oh, <laughs> we did not preserve the video. We're sorry. Uh, and like, I'd say like at least half of my bar cases. Now, not with you yeah. and not with my buddy, Rich Karen, who we works for Rich. Conifer. The I best. know you were to work for Conifer because yep. he's an honest guy. Yes. But uh, some of the less scrupulous bars, <laughs> and you know, you're at, you're at the mercy of your clients. Right. The video will go missing. So in this case, a prominent judge was involved, yeah. contacted the Royal Oak Police. The police chief got involved and they actually served a warrant on the bar we got the videotape. Great. And it showed these guys at the front door and they had brutalized Oof. this young boy. The, yeah. the kid was drunk. They kicked him out. He tried to go back in to get his coat. Yeah. And one of the guys, he must have weighed 400 pounds who also had multiple warrants out yeah. for, for him. And 
this was the guy they were running security. Popped the guy multiple times, causing him to fall and fracture his skull. It's horrible. But we see these types of yes. cases against bars. They get sued yeah. a lot, don't they? I would say, and yeah, I've handled hundreds of those cases over the years. It's either slip and fall or it's some sort of fight. And and sometimes, like I described with the with the pool table case, it's two groups fight, but oftentimes security is involved. And and that's like you said, it's not always the case. There's no like strict, they don't have to have a licensure of some sort to be to be a security or bouncer. Right. Um, anybody could do it. Anybody they could, could hire me to do it. Big and right? small doesn't matter. And and sometimes just the size of a person will intimidate everybody to sort of keep it, keep it cool. But yeah. some people get into that business. Some people, because they like to throw fists and, and that's right. And maybe, it's almost like rent a cops, right. too, you know, some places yeah. they're not screened very well. I find we have a case on the West side right now that we're litigating where they had a bouncer, a guy who had a gun Yeah, and he carried a gun. Now, look, if you're going to carry a gun at a crowded nightclub, you need to know how to use it and right. you need to use it judiciously. Right. Yes. And there was a fight and the guy pulled out his gun and shot, shot someone in, in the middle of a crowd of bars. So bars get sued a lot. Number one, if yeah. security beats somebody up. Right. Number two, if other people beat other people up and the bar like created the situation right. or knew about it and didn't do anything. Yeah. They've got a duty really just to call 911. So we right. really don't want that guy ever pulling that gun out and really Honestly, as a bar owner, you don't even want him to have it on the premises because that can happen. Problems that happen. And, and now they're getting sued or, and now somebody's hurt. dead, yeah, right? Or paralyzed. And or then whatever. we have yeah. three, which is the dram shop laws, yes. which is a law that says if you serve alcohol to people, if they get visibly drunk, right. you got to stop because right. they could crash their car. They could hurt somebody. And that does happen. And that's a tough case to prove, but Very it can tough. be proven. But And usually it's in death cases. And it's funny as you're... It's not funny, but I had a, I had a fatality case and it was coming out of a club in Detroit. And, and I counted recently, I counted, I had represented 85 bars in the city of Detroit. I want to make a little map because I, I, I just put all 85. the addresses, 85 wow. over the years, you know, just in Detroit, not counting the rest of the states, probably double that amount. But, um, but in Detroit, you know, there's a lot of busy. So we had a fatality come out and, uh, and it was a, it was a larger individual who was the, uh, person who passed away. And the police come in and, uh, and I'll never forget. And they, the way they write it up, it was a guy in drag. They thought it was a female. I mean, it's perverse, but they thought, it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with being in drag, of course, but they thought it was a female and they had it written up that way. They bring them into the, into the morgue or wherever. And we're doing the, uh, we took off the Autopsy. clothes until they figured out that it was a male dressed up like a woman and not a woman. And I'll, I'll never forget that one. It was a really interesting case. Um, in in the way it went down and uh to our to our earlier point of you know you got to do the discovery you got to look at all the medicals i had hired a company this is 20 years ago or better we had hired a company to do an investigation he puts together a great investigation the uh like the the claims uh company that investigates yeah. this and looking into everything what happened and what happened so my name is david first name and the plaintiff's attorney's name is david also different last name 
he sends the report to the plaintiff's no. attorney. He has the whole has my whole case in it, and uh, and so we end up we uh, actually end up going to the Supreme Court up on that case, not related to that matter, but but it was like I stopped using that yeah. investigation company after that. Yeah, you know, dude, he sent it to opposing counsel, and it was every it was like every you know everything I had Everything. in my quiver, every bit of you know information yeah, that's, that's that would help privilege, me. Yes, right? when you yes. hire an expert, it's but look, the guy can't privileged. unsee it. You know, I he gets this package. Right? He's like, here's Draper's case. You know? I've done a lot of bar cases yeah. involving assaults i did one in birmingham michigan there used to be a bar there called south okay, okay? yes yeah and south would get busy at yeah. night and it turned a ton of nightclub yes and my guy was there drinking and he went up to a famous uh nfl football player uh-huh and who was there with his whole posse he yeah. was there with his yeah. whole gang of guys and they were drinking cristal yeah. and, and they had bottle service and my guy was drunk and he put his arm around the football player and said like, you know, why don't you share, you know, some of the, some of your stuff. Yeah. And he was drinking a cranberry and vodka uh-huh. and some of it spilled on oh. the football player. Yeah. The football player took a bottle, a <gasps> uh, champagne bottle and smashed it over my guy's head. Oh, splintered it. And then my guy passed out and his yeah. head was bleeding with oh. glass in it. Then it gets worse. The bouncers from South, they're like, we got to get this guy out of here. Yeah. One of them says he's bleeding all over our floor. So they <laughs> yeah, drag him out by floor. his feet and they throw him out the back into the alley. Oh, my goodness. And so we ended up suing the NFL football player and we sued the bar. The case ended up getting resolved. But yeah. you just have crazy stuff that you can't in a place, make up. It's funny. Birmingham has an interesting, they've really toned it down. But there was a moment there where like from 10p till 2a it got a little crazy there was a yeah. lot of nightclubs like that and they they really they toned that it down. way down yeah because yeah. i represented some clubs there that got shut down and there was not you know the city just was like we're not doing no, that anymore you're done you're yeah. gone so tell me some of your other types of cases i don't have you ever done any like strip clubs yeah yeah so we represented i mean over time just because i represented bars and restaurants and any place with a liquor license um, so we have naturally some and strip, strip clubs. clubs have liquor licenses. They right? do. And so I, I was thinking of, uh, um, you know, I've represented a number of those over time, less so lately, but, um, I was thinking yeah, of one after COVID, I feel like yeah, it's, the business it's really slowed down. slowed down. They, a lot of them have complained. And the other thing is the introduction of marijuana being legal. A lot of people don't drink as much in a club that they might've before they might smoke out in the outside. They might smoke inside, which is a problem. So I would deal with the vice, which is the, which is the DPD group that would, Detroit would police cover Department. gambling. They would cover prostitution. They would cover strip clubs. So I got to Do know they those still guys. still have a vice club? Yes. Yes. But, but um, like you said, it's really, it's a different, I think it's maybe moved into different areas now. Yeah. But it used to be, they would govern these strip clubs like crazy. So I got well, to know, know a lot of the officers. Man, I know like uh and this is not from personal experience. You're this right. is yeah, from, yeah. from client accounts. Yeah. Of course. Everyone. Right. Of course. Um of course. but that yeah. like, you know, they've cracked down like some strip clubs would have like rooms where like you know, prostitution could occur and things of that nature. And, and there's I, ordinance now. Everything must be visible to the manager. So it used to be, yeah, there was a closed room where somebody like could Like the go. velvet rooms. Yeah, and stuff. whatever, champagne room, whatever they would call it. But now it, everything must be visible to the to the manager from any point in the bar. So there cannot be any more rooms like that. So that's basically outlawed yeah. in, in the city of Detroit by ordinance. But I had a club that... Um, the, the vice would go by there at 2.30, 3 o'clock, 3.30, and they'd say, lights are on. You know, what's going on here? And uh, and they would call dude, me because I knew. I mean, they would text me, Draper, what's going on with your bar? Tell them to quit it. So I would call the owner and say, what's going on? He'd say, here's what happens. 
and this was when things were a little more go-go and pre pre-covid they were making um, a lot of money oh, making yeah. some of these places have made just ungodly amount of money which it's good business if if uh, at different times though or you had an expense time. account you could just open an expense account spend five ten grand in a night and no one would blink an eye as long as you're making that sale of that you know that steel deal to somebody or or the parts deal or whatever for all you know millions of dollars they don't care about 10 grand right. 20 20 grand 30 grand whatever who cares go do your thing so the place kept staying open late i called the owner the owner says look here's what happens guys will come in late at night and at the close of business, now they're making it rain on the on the on the big stage, and with, they with might money. They're might drop money. twenty grand, thirty grand, fifty grand at that the much end money, of the night. At the end of the night, they would they drop now that have much to money. Count this, and there might be twenty dancers that are splitting that money up. Now we could leave the money there, close it at two o'clock, and let them come back in the morning and 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 count it up. It's but funny that money will not be there the next morning at 7 a.m. it's a cash business right so they gotta they gotta count it right then and i said well don't you have counting machines yeah i got counting machines but you count fifty thousand dollars in 20s it takes a while you know wow. and then they're splitting it up and well you owe me from this and that and, and the you know girls and then they got like the house mom yeah right? the house mom is the person. everybody gets a piece right man. Everybody's everybody gets get the dj gets paid the, the security gets, gets the security paid. gets something the bartender everybody's on that take so those are little uh, mini uh, economies of scale. Now it has, like you said, the business has gone down, not per se in Miami or Las Vegas, or there's other places that it's still really booming and busy. I think Detroit's time has slowed down yeah. uh, just because of COVID. I for think that a lot business. of them closed. Yeah. A lot of them closed. So have you seen any crazy, uh, have you had any crazy like cases involving vice at a strip club? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're always involved. I've had, uh, you know, more shootings than I, that I could tell you about. And that's in any kind of downtown late at night, people are carrying guns. And, uh, we had one, I remember, and it's, a. Uh, club I, I actually uh really nice owner but you know this is this is the, the business he's in real nice guy nicest most gentle guy doesn't have a gun or anything like that but like you were saying before one of the bouncers had a gun and um and this was an interesting from uh records case so guy comes in and he's getting into it a, a patron and the bouncer ended up um, shooting him fatally and claimed that there was a reason that the, that the, the self-defense self-defense that the, the customer was the, you know, uh, aggressor or was the bad guy. And we were about to settle the case for cheap 10,000, $15,000, something like this. And there's no records. DPD cannot find video. And my guy had a video, but this was a time where it was like a, a VCR machine and, and Detroit came in and, uh, Detroit police came and grabbed the machine and took it off premises. There was no written record. There was no nothing. So it was all the word of my, of, of my yeah, bouncer shooter. That's a shooter. lot of bar cases. That's what happened. So then we're about, like, we're about to settle. The, we had settled the case for, we'd gone through mediation, like, a, you know, like again, 10, 15,000, like that terrible case. But, you know, according to our version, according to my clients, you know, the bouncers, nothing had gone wrong. We weren't the aggressors. They find the video at the last minute. It's down in a basement somewhere in DPD. It's like they find the video, the machine, and all the written reports. And it turns out my guy's at fault. My shooter, my bouncer was actually, and it changed the case from a, you know, 10,000 value to a yeah. seven figure value really quickly. Well, that's what video will do because look, it's like his word or her word against right. somebody else. We tried a case down in Wayne County against a strip club over in the, on the west side, I think it was in Dearborn, where uh, our guy went in, he, you know, nice, meek guy, uh, kind of poor guy, didn't have a lot mm -hmm. of money, and 
he the stripper said, well, I'll give you a dance. And yeah. what happened is one dance costs, I don't know, like 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. She ended up giving him five dances, but doesn't tell him like this is the next and dance. And he hasn't got the money. And he doesn't got the money. Right. And so she's like, well, that'll be $250. She's yeah. like, I thought you said it would be $50. Yeah. And she's like, no, you got five. And so uh, they the security, and we did get some video. The security, we have it on video, picks the guy up, body slams him Ooh. over a table onto the thing, holds him down by the neck, and then goes in his pockets and takes all the money that he has. Yeah. Then when he went outside, he got assaulted. They claimed there was no video outside uh, and that uh, and that it never happened and that the client was making everything up. So we go to trial. And I don't know if you know this, but on Google Maps, um, I got a Google map of the bar mm -hmm. and, and the owner came in and testified, shady guy. He said, oh, we don't have any cameras outside. Right. We did not at the time. Well, on Google Maps, I have a Google Maps and it shows these cameras clearly, yeah, as clear as day and the cameras are- Yeah, so you can see with that image, there's definitely cameras Yeah, you can just the see outside. these big, huge cameras yeah. outside. Yeah. And he's like, well- those cameras are new. We didn't have them at the time. Right. There's a thing on Google Maps. I don't know if you knew this, but you can actually go back historically. Right. And you can look from 10 years ago, five yeah. years ago, whenever the Google car comes by and takes yeah. the pictures. That's so all I said, saved something. Yeah. I said, yeah. well, that's really funny that you're telling us that today. <laughs> yeah. Because you know what, sir? Do you see yeah. right here? You see where it says June of 2015. Right. You know, in Google Maps, you could go back and look. And he's just like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. And then we showed the jury. The, the cameras were there. He was lying. Right. But that's a problem because without video, yeah, it, it's just one guy's Once, word against yeah. his. And, oh, he's, a, you know, and, and things get a little dicey. It's really changed the practice. And I know in my criminal cases, for sure, there's now body cam. It, it can be, I, I've got a case up Monday morning. And uh, it's a uh, driving while uh, drugged and driving while drinking alcohol case. But there's, you know, just scads of video of the arrest of what happened in the back in the yeah. station, what kind of testing was done. It's really good in certain respects, but it really expands the discovery time that you must spend now, you know, going through all the video right? before yeah. it was, everything was paper records. So you'd go to the courthouse, you'd find out, has that place been sued before? Right. Has that person filed lawsuits before? Is there medical records? Whatever. It was all paper discovery. Right. Or maybe you'd have MRIs or x-rays, but it was basically paper. But video is good for both sides yes, because absolutely. then it's like, all right, there's, there's, there's really no dispute over the, at least the essential Right. Of what happened right. physically. Like right. either like in this case, they were saying, oh, the guy was never assaulted. He fell over. Yeah. Well, it can't be both. Was the guy assaulted or not? Video protects both people. If yeah. the guy was fell over, then it exonerates the bar. Right. If the guy was assaulted, then it supports the guy. So and we've had lots of cases like that where it is. It's, you know. It could be one or the other, and it's provable. Yeah, it's provable. You know? So yeah. I got, you know, I get like casino. I get a lot of casino cases. Yeah. Everything, because people like strip clubs, bars, crazy things happen at casinos. Oh. It's a breeding ground for cases gone wild. Yes, I've had more cases. I got one pending right now with a gal who's, again, mild-mannered when you talk to her, but but got into it with a fan of another team, not the Lions, after, uh, after, after a game. After a game, and they people go are to drinking. Casino, and then all, all heck money. breaks loose. So whenever I have a casino yeah. case now, I yeah. say, all right, 
I write the casino. Yeah. I say, my client's saying this happened. Show us the video. Right. And most of the lawyers for the casino will show me the video yeah. because they know that John Marco, if the video shows that my client was at fault, I'll say, thank you. Yeah. I'll go to my client and say, I'm not representing you. Right. If it shows the casino's at fault, you know, yeah, different we're, story. we're on like Donkey Kong. But and I like that after you practiced a while like us, you get uh, people that you can respect like that. It's like, it's perfectly fine to share because this is going to come out eventually. Exactly. Anyways, so might as well shortcut it and they know you're Let's cut to the chase. and you're not going to bring some BS right. case or try to- I'm not going to bring know. a BS case. We no. just had a casino case. It yeah. showed our client uh, being the aggressor. Yeah. And I said, I'm not going to take the case. Right. Thank you. Thank you, attorney. Tell and your client somebody will. And honestly, I, I, maybe not all the time, but oftentimes there's another- there's another step or a step below or a step below. Yeah. Where somebody's like, well, I'll take a flyer. I'll take one. it. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's not me. I don't no, like no, no, no. You don't need to. So tell us about this vice case where, where a stripper so, fell through the roof. Like I said, I was dealing with vice, you know, quite often and, and really they're perfectly nice men and women who are just doing a very unusual job in the city of Detroit, a very difficult job, you know, one we wouldn't like. And so that's why I would always tease them. It's like, they can't go bust a, a dope house. You know, they, they got to send everybody in full uh, jackets and helmets body armor, and body shit. armor. And they're coming into a strip club where everybody's, you know, men generally are dressed a little nicer. The women aren't, aren't dressed particularly in, in a whole lot. And uh, nobody. I bet it's a big buzzkill to be like hanging out at the strip club. All these strippers are dating. And all of a sudden it comes like the squad. A dozen, a dozen people in all black, blacked out. And like, I mean, it's really intimidating. And of course, and it can happen in regular clubs. It can happen in, in strip clubs. I had one strip club. They were going on a, on a case um, in the city of Detroit. And they were going to, it was like a records case. They didn't have a business license. And it was like, it was predominantly a records, uh, yeah. maybe maybe filing this, that, or the other. They took a tank and went in, because they had a toy and they got to use it. So they went in the back of the building and like busted down the back of the building. They busted the yes. back of the building yes. with the tank? And it wasn't, a, it wasn't like there was danger afoot. Like Are they, they allowed to do that? Well, That's crazy. We didn't, my client declined to sue. Okay. And oftentimes, well, time to call me. Tell them to call me. <laughs> oftentimes with these clients, they'd rather just thing, leave things well enough So they had alone. to rebuild the wall? Yeah, they had to rebuild the wall. Oh my but in God. this other case, so I'm, I'm, um, I get a, I get a text late at night, my, you know, with our business, the phone is always on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. get a text. He says the owner. Says, well, nobody's calling the strip club beef doesn't go down at like, you know, two in the afternoon. No, generally. never, never. I always said when I was doing more bar work and thank God that I'm doing today, five o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock on Friday night is their Monday morning. Now it's go time, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah. that continues through until Sunday night. And then it's kind of dormant for a while. And from Monday, 8 a.m. till Friday, yeah, yeah, 8 yeah. p.m. It's a different it's, schedule. Yeah. It's totally, it's totally flipped from our regular. Right. So, so, so the guy sends a video and, uh, and you see, you see a little hallway and you see these vice. So this vice is at cops. a strip club yeah. and they're being raided. They're being raided. And so some of the workers at the, at the club maybe don't have the best record. So I guess this gal had uh, she maybe had like a warrant or, or, yeah, something. or something that she didn't want to interact with the, with the law enforcement on that evening. And so she scurries up and gets up into the ceiling, but it's not made to hold a human being for very long. If so at all, like, kind of like, so this stripper runs and is she in like all of her stripper? Yeah. Like what was wearing less a than, uh, less than you wouldn't wear out in a, uh, 
uh, in regular public on a, you know, when you're going to target. Yeah. So she's up there hiding in the ceiling. Here comes the officers come by. And then all of a sudden she comes crashing through and she wasn't hurt. Thank God. She comes flying out of the ceiling and, 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 and the whole like just crashes yeah, out of the boom, ceiling. And she falls down and they just, they, they kept going out of scene, you know, out of, out of uh, screen because they didn't know that was coming. And they're, you know, it's loud in there. The music's up and, yeah, you know, yeah. with a oh, little bit how, of, that's oh hilarious. my God, it was a great visual. That's interesting. So tell me about, okay, now I understand that you were involved in some very high profile cases. I had, it's just the way it's broken. So one of the cases in Gross Point that people will know was Bob Bashara. And it's a, so tell us yeah. about who is Bob Bashara. So he was like a happened. landlord. He married to a delightful, by all accounts, woman, Jane, and, um, and a very well-known family in Gross Point Park. He owned a number of commercial real estate, maybe some residential as well, but mostly so commercial. So kind of like wealthy family guy? Yeah, came from, a, his, his father was uh, was a judge as well and was very well-respected in the legal community. I mean, as 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 great a reputation as you could have. Now, now was Bob, Bob Ashara a lawyer no, or just like so businessman? not so man. much. Yeah, business guy. So he owned this real, real property and kind of maintained that. What... what most of the public didn't know is he was also maintaining like a swingers lounge underneath one of his properties in gross point park on no Mac way. Ave. yes so that, wait what's a swingers lounge so like people would go down there and maybe they'd bring their spouse or their girlfriend or their boyfriend but they'd be there open to engage romantically with people other than their so it was like a partner. real deal like boogie nights with like swinger lounge with devices and and uh, swings and stuff oh like that. all kinds of stuff and maybe people could be restrained or what happened okay. it was so really wait, wild so, th so th it would actually go down in this thing. yeah and like i don't think anybody i ever met knew that it was going on including gross point is kind of a, a weird choice for that yeah like you know it's like you wouldn't pretty tight it. lip pretty like conservative very conservative more, yeah more conservative, it's a bedroom like, community yeah yeah not a, a swinger bedroom community no you wouldn't think no you wouldn't think, you wouldn't think but, but you'd be it, wrong yeah, you'd be wrong. wrong so that was wrong. going on down there so this so, was underneath what this um, swingers lounge. So it's like at and Mac can you and please Beacons give the Field? listeners the address in case? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm it's not kidding. going anymore. All, it's right, all right, a really nice restaurant's above there now, and it's been uh, actually they had a fire. It's it's nothing right. like that. So going they on. converted the swingers lounge into something else. Now. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. All right. So it's, it's not there. Stop basement. searching for yeah, it, stop. listeners. I know some of these. <laughs> so this is cases gone wild. I know yeah. some of our listeners are going to just be scouring to try well, to figure out where this, this lounge is. Sorry, guys. Definitely, there were you know it's been covered in podcasts and Dateline and stuff like that. Okay, Bob comes out. His wife goes missing. So people will um, go down there yeah. underneath the oh, restaurant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, beneath so, the restaurant. But but his wife had nothing to do with it. He had, you know, he This had was like his other side job. girlfriend. Side right. hobby. Place. Yes. Okay. Yes. So he had a local mistress and I represented his mistress from Oregon who was called, and this was an unfortunate name, but her name was Slave J. Okay. So, Wait, that was her legal name? No, that was her okay. name with him. So well, how did she her, get here from Oregon? So he and her, they, they found each other on a website for like-minded individuals. And he, as a uh, attempted, uh. as an attempted out, um, so he wouldn't be in town. He hired a handyman, his handyman, to murder his wife, and he flew to wait, see my wait client. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Okay, wait a minute! Yeah. So Bob, so this guy had Slave J from yeah. Oregon, right? Who was his like slave mistress? Sex yeah, mistress yeah. And they had they they really were early in their relationship, and they were distant, you know. So he flies out there as cover to say, "Well, I wasn't in town." Why did he want to murder his wife so he can money, be with Slave money. J? Yeah, for with her, and he had another local girlfriend too. So he didn't want to have to pay for a divorce or something. Yeah, and the wife had his wife had a large uh, insurance policy. 
Oh my and god! And he was always like, "This is crazy." Oh yeah, totally crazy. So I think this was on Dateline. Yeah. So he it doesn't go down while he's at my client's place in Oregon. The handyman does not carry it out, and while he's with, so he tries to hire his handyman. While he's flies with out my, to see for like a cat, an old Cadillac and a couple grand, like so so inexpensive. It and was, then he was yeah. gonna tell the cops, "Oh no, I was with my." And he's mistress. smarter than everybody. He was that kind of guy. He was way smarter than everybody, even though he wasn't. But that was his so, way. He would be able to. So, so the hitman, his handyman, didn't do it. Did his handyman go to the cops or what happened? Not at that time. So then Bob comes back. And is like, we got to get this job done. So he threatens the handyman. You got to kill my wife. You know, this is the deal. You got to do it. So according to the handyman, and we don't know the exact facts because one party's not here anymore. Well, the, the wife is dead. And tragically, the uh, her husband is dead. And now the handyman has, is in prison still. Um, so so what he happened? did complete the act. The he, handyman did it? He complained. He, he hit the handyman says, Bashar was holding a gun to him and told him to do it. And so he did it under duress of being being forced to do it. He did admittedly do it. And so for the longest time, Bob was not charged with the crime. We weren't, you know, the law enforcement was not sure what had happened exactly. The handyman goes the, in. The handyman He ratted, goes into the police at he, first and says, I did it. And they dismissed him and said, you did not do it. You're just... Uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, having a fabulous thought here, but you didn't really do it. So they sent him away. Because nobody probably could believe that Bob Bashar, right, this like right. businessman in the community would do something so crazy. The whole story's crazy. It's so crazy. So for months, they didn't Like, hey, I'm him. here. There's a sex slave business underneath yeah, in Gross, the, Gross Point. Point. But they, that tr proved to be true. People, you know, that kind of checked out. Ultimately. So did they bring in all these swingers? and Oh, like, yeah. Like Everybody, that was all the busted. witnesses. They brought my lady in from, from uh, Oregon. She came in. And so it was. Was Real she charged? Crazy time. No, because she had nothing to do with it. In fact, she was a witness for the prosecution. So it was one of the weird times as a defense attorney where I was helping the prosecutor. I sat with Lisa Lindsay, this who is... was the prosecutor and the detectives in the park who did a fabulous job, ultimately broke the case. But here's and a funny was thing. Wayne County was then prosecuted. Kim Worthy, Kim Worthy brought the charges and successfully they went to trial and they won the case. And what it was, was the defense for Bob uh, Bashar? He didn't do it or it was really the handyman and the handyman's, you know, wasn't the, wasn't uh, super uh, educated. But he guy. had everything there. He had a motive. Right. He was going to get the money. Right. That's crazy. And he would talk to the media, the, the husband. He would talk, 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 talk. So the, the not funny thing, but my wife will never let me forget this. She never has worked in my office, really. But one day, my regular secretary was out, and I was in court. And so I said, honey, can you come in? I had... Um, somebody coming in that day and I just need my wife to cover the phones and just be at the office for just a minute while I was in court. And then once I got back, she could go home yeah. and whatever. So she's, she's in the office and she gets a call and I'm not back yet is my memory. And she's like, Bob Bashar, she maybe text me or whatever. Bob Bashar is on his way to the office. Like right now, <laughs> what do I do? And, and this was before he had been charged, but everybody kind of suspected that he was the murderer. And so were you representing? I was representing slave the slave J. So he knew, and she would have nothing to do with him. So he, he knew I was the oh, conduit. Well, you were probably so, scared. Were so you he's coming. Yeah, wife? I was scared. So, but he comes in and it's, and my wife, again, will never let me forget this, but you never know what you're going to say. So he comes in and he lost a ton of weight since he murdered his wife. And I go, oh my God, Bob, you look great. You know, he lost all this weight. And he's like, oh, thanks. So he comes in, we sit down and talk perfectly nice. He just wanted to get to my client through me. Yeah, he was not yeah. threatening or anything. Now, had he been in person with her, maybe he would have been, I don't know. But through That's me, just crazy. he was smart enough. My wife said, so like, what like, happened to Bob? So Bob ends up getting uh, arrested. 
he's held, he, he goes, you know, through every motion, everything, does everything he can. They ultimately try the case. He's convicted. He tries to have the hitman killed while the hitman's no! in jail. He hires another hitman to kill the the hitman. This guy's crazy. It's completely bonkers. Like he just so thought bonkers. he could do whatever he wanted. So he was convicted, I, I believe, on both of those for the murder of his wife and the attempted murder of the hitman who killed his wife. Um, he hired this guy from the east side of Detroit who runs a furniture store, who was his buddy. But it was, And so it was well, how did Bob crazy. die? He died in prison up north, like in Traverse City area. Just of being sick or something? Yeah, yeah. He wasn't the healthiest guy. And I, I, I remember, like, it was in the paper. He got in trouble while he was in prison for trying to make wine out of, like, ketchup packets and stuff. It's like a, it's like a jail yeah, yeah, wine yeah, thing. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, you know, and you, every once in a while, they'd, they'd make fodder, you know, for the news. If, if uh, Wow, that yeah, is it was a case a, that gone was a wild. wild. Like, case. like yeah. you couldn't write that stuff. No. If you told someone... They're like, I don't believe this. You is wouldn't pick most... Gross Point, you know, because it wouldn't make sense. It's that just that crazy. Here. It's and been... he was so open with the media and would just, just like welcome them in and try to convince everyone. And he was just, just did a horrible job at it. It's and, crazy. And clearly the jury didn't buy it either. So where's Slave J today? She's in Oregon and we don't really keep in touch, although she was, she was a very interesting client. You know, it was an unusual one. I don't get a call. It was so funny. My secretary at the time, Beth, she gets the call. She's like, I, I knew this would come. Like, she's like, you know, I figured it's a gross point case. Like, you, you're going to be involved in some fashion. I don't know yeah. what. And it's like the woman you're calls. Because well, you're a big deal over here. You're a big I enjoy You're it. the east side guy. You're you the big deal. You just hang around long enough, and and that happens, you know, just by uh, inertia or by everybody yeah. falls off. Um, but uh, but one that, that I think back, which wasn't, uh, I only handled one murder case that where I represented the murder. And it was terrible. And I've decided it wasn't, that wasn't for me. But I handled it with a guy, Corbett O'Mara. Corbett Edge O'Mara. Wait, he's also made it, transition. Didn't O'Mara become a federal judge? His dad is a federal judge, and Corbett was a criminal defense lawyer and an excellent, excellent attorney. And uh, didn't he? Ha didn't he have an early had, death? Yeah, he battled some demons, and uh, but I'm telling you, was was really helped me with when I early was transitioning from civil cases to more criminal cases. He was really helpful because he was devoted to only doing criminal defense, and so yeah, I get a call. And these are how these things happen. You know, you just get a call. I get a call from a friend and his friend was in lockup in the city of Detroit. He just murdered his son. So oh my gosh. Terrible. 15-year-old son. So the 15-year-old son had allegedly molested his two-year-old half-sister. So the dad, who was the killer, killed Got his so son. so mad at the son. Right. And, yeah. and executed him, stripped him naked, sent him outside, put him on his knees and shot him in the head. Oh my terrible, God. Terrible, terrible case. I, I don't have the stomach for this. I'm telling you, it was one of the only times in court I was at the preliminary exam. We held the exam in, in uh, uh, Highland Park is where it occurred in Detroit, you know, in a little tiny town in, in Detroit. And um, it was as the aunt was telling the story because she had been there and watched it happen. It was one time where I almost was just uh, physically ill because it was so emotional, it was so gut-wrenching. And you and I have to, we have to hear things and we have to live things and we have to, counsel people and, and they're horrible things they're horrible things it's the worst thing that could happen in somebody's life and you're just there as the lawyer and you got to carry on and you have to be really uh, have your wits about you and ask questions and cross-examine and do everything for that person that was one time in my career and i and i pretty much after that decided that was not the the type of case that i wanted to handle but it just so happened it caught national media attention it was on cnn headline news they flew me to new york it was at the time it was on true tv they followed the whole trial we tried the case in front of 
Judge Brian Sullivan, who was a criminal oh, judge yeah. at the time. Brian and he Sullivan always says, I tough. lost the case. And I always say I won the case because he was charged with first degree murder and we got second degree murder. So at least he has an opportunity to get out of uh, yeah. uh, out of prison at some point. And Judge Sullivan, good yeah. guy, gross point guy. He's, Great he's the judge. head of the business division now in Great judge, one of the funniest yeah. and smartest guys you'll run into. Yeah, uh, yeah, no yeah. way. That's yeah. a crazy story. Now, yeah. you know, a lot of people ask me uh, when people who aren't lawyers. Right. And they always ask me, they say, so like what about defending people you that, know are guilty. that you know are guilty or having to do that? Now, look, yeah. I'm a civil. I say, look, I'm a civil guy. Right. I'm not a criminal guy. But it would be very similar uh, mindset. You you could slide right over. If you said tomorrow, I want to just do criminal defense. It's the same mindset. You're you're what you're saying is the people have to prove the people. The prosecutor has to prove a certain thing. It's really not about whether somebody's innocent or guilty to me or to any criminal defense attorney, I don't think. It's about what what are you hired to do? You're hired, there is a, we have a constitution in the United States of America. We have a state of Michigan constitution. This is what we must fo follow. Everybody's entitled to a defense, whether they did it or not. Oftentimes, you're assisting someone and they're going to plead to something. That's the majority of the time. Right. Sometimes cases are outright dismissed and oftentimes you do have to go to trial in criminal cases, but you're really just making sure that their rights are protected. Doesn't matter if they did it. We knew this guy did it. Everybody knew he did it. He admitted to doing it This in this murder case. It was brutal. He had the flattest affect I've ever seen, but he made a decision. He knew it would alter his life. He made the decision, carried out the act, and now is living yeah. with the consequences. He never cried. It was really eerie and really that bizarre. That is really just And a he was a, a, a postman. He was a postman before that. Had, so up, like a good working time, guy? Good working guy. Had no, like, no bad record at work. No record, criminal record. No nothing. This was a one-time thing. But it was as bad of a thing as can be done. And it was to your own child. So it was, yeah. it was absolutely oh, that fascinating is so case. Tragic. But horrible, horrible that is case. So tragic. Yeah. You know, everybody has a constitutional right, right. to a defense. And uh, they there's a reason that we do have these laws. You know, they it started with the concept that, you know, the government has so much power and to take away somebody's freedom in life is the ultimate exercise of that power. And so, you know, it started all the way back in, I think, with like Socrates, but it's it's followed through with it's better to have 10 guilty people go free. As horrible as that is, right. then to have one innocent, innocent person put to death or put, or to death put in or prison have their for life taken yes. away. And that's uh, the way the system is set up. The reality is, and people, you know, you they see paper, the cases in the media. The reality is most people, if they are guilty, are going to plead to something. And if it's significant, they're going to be incarcerated. If for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And if it's not particularly significant, if we think it's a speeding case or whatever, they're going to pay a fine and move along. But they, yeah. you know, they've pled to maybe less than they're charged with, what have you. That's how the system, there's, there's too many cases in Wayne County and Oakland County, Macomb County to try all those cases. We don't. Don't have the time. Yeah, most we of don't them have the plead out. Most, most of the cases. people plead guilty. Right. Yeah, that's what. And happens. now, and now, that gives you a really good background and perspective to be a judge. Yeah, to balance and enforce the law and the constitution for everybody. I like on that. both sides. I like that. And and as I was saying before, sometimes it just starts with a phone call. There was a morning. Now, now it's almost twenty years ago. I was sitting in my office, eight a.m. I get a call. The FBI is at my client's house. Client's very successful. He's got a chain of restaurants. He's got a hundred thousand square foot. Uh, space where they prepare the food, where they have their offices, where they where they send trucks to take the food and take it to the and the FBI's there. FBI's at his house. He had two houses. That's that's FBI's, like the scariest thing. You wake up and the FBI's there. He's in his pajamas. 
I well, get what the time call. is it? This is they came to the house at seven thirty. I get the call at eight. I race over there. He they let him get dressed. How They're many raiding. FBI, how many FBI agents? 40, are there? 40 agents over the whole thing. They got two houses. They've got the hundred thousand square foot place. FBI, IRS. And customs are there. Wait, FBI, IRS, and the customs, customs department. Yeah, so they're all there, and you want to talk intimidating. You know, like these people mean business. You know, they're very good at what they do. They come in with an agenda. They've got a search warrant or or some yeah. reason, some legal grounds to be there, and uh, to take that case on was a really interesting case. Um, so what was the chart? Why were they at your client's house? They were house? looking for, uh, there were, there were tax issues. That's why the IRS was there. They were concerned if there might be people and it, it was right after nine 11. And, and this was a different time in our country's, uh, uh, it just, it was a different, uh, flavor. It was a middle Eastern client. All, most of the workers were, it was were hard Arabic time. Descent. It was a hard time to be in an Arab American yes. in the United States after 9-11. There was a lot of stuff going on. Remember, they were like following people to mosques and stuff. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, my client at that time, there were reasons for them to be there. They came uh, and um, I'll never forget. So he had a safe that he had a room that was a safe. So it was, what do you mean a room that was a safe? The money was in there. All the documents like were in there. Like a bank vault? Yeah, it was like a bank vault. So he, how big was the safe? It was there was big safes within the safe room, but the, but I mean, this room was you, you, this room was locked down. Now, could so they, you go, was it like a panic room? Could you yeah, go? Uh, yeah, you could go hide in there too. Yeah, I'm sure oh, it would really? be a good, it would be a good place. It'd be tough to get you. So we go there, the agent, there was a, a female uh, agent in charge and she was excellent. She, she says, look, we're going in there right now. You better open this up. And my guy's like, I don't have the key. So she, she looks over to another agent, get the explosives. We're going in. You they know? were going to blow up. They were going to blow it open. And so, so he, he says, okay, okay, okay. I got the key at home. Draper, come with me. I drive him home. We get the key. We race right back, open it up. Now they found all kinds of stuff in there. Like what? What was in there? Uh, a lot of cash. How much? A uh, million yep. dollars plus. And uh, well, I mean, you know, to some people, I don't know. I mean, I know you've got the safe room down here and you know, you might have that is just chump change. But, but for a lot of your listeners, that's still a lot, that's of, money. A lot of money in 2024. You know, that's, that's still a lot, lot of money. money. So they found a great deal of money, some documents, Needless to say, I didn't see that client after that night ever again, nor has he, uh, and has anybody seen him? Um, at he's, least, uh, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. And, uh, not at my direction. I would, I would, uh, it would have been a, a really interesting case to tackle, you know? Oh, but so he just left the country or wherever he, he took, is. I don't know where he is. Nobody I don't know knows. where he is. We've had no contact, but, um, but it was an interesting one. It was a really interesting just to see how a large, cause I'd never seen that large scope of a raid take place at multiple locations. And, and again, I was really impressed. I, I think, you know, you don't do a, a federal work per se, but, but you're obviously aware of the well, FBI. I do, federal, I do federal civil work, right. just not criminal stuff. Right. Yeah, but yeah. you're, I know you're, you know, obviously aware of and work in some capacity with those law enforcement agencies. Cause it just becomes relevant in your cases on yeah. occasion. Yeah. And the, the, um, just the level of professionalism, it's not to say it's not, uh, present at the state level because it certainly is but it's a different level the feds like when you go to federal court there's usually it's marco's case well, is up at 230 exactly 20 cases up they, at they have a lot more resources at them so for example if you go to federal court and have a federal judge yeah these federal judges are able to hire i believe three two to three law clerks to assist them 
And these law clerks are from some of the top schools across the country. Very now, right. And they have a limited caseload. Right. I'm in no way denigrating, you know, the federal judiciary, but compare that to a Wayne County state judge who gets one yeah. law clerk. Right. And uh, they can't pay them hardly anywhere near. And the caseload is a thousand or better. I don't know what it is, but it's significant. Yeah. And know? so it's just the practical reality is. Uh, when you don't have the resources and you have to do more with less, right? Uh, you it's know, a different job. It's, it's a totally different, job. different job. It's a different and, uh, job. Yeah, I'm really, you know, and I'm impressed with both because both are really interesting places places to practice, but they're very different. Very different. Very different. Yeah, in federal court, two thirty is two thirty. If mm -hmm. you're like one minute late, yeah, they're going to be calling your office. Uh, you know, don't come casual, come dress correctly, come dress right? Correctly. Don't let your phone go off. And in fact, don't even bring your phone in the courtroom. Yeah. Right? Then we got a Wayne little basket County, for it here. Like you could come in oh. on a unicycle and, yeah. <laughs> you know, 45 <laughs> right. minutes late. And right. it's like, no one's oh, gonna okay. Know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Here he is. Well, hey, yeah. Marco, there yeah, you are, buddy. Go. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, we kid. We're exaggerating. But right. it's, um, it is different and, and you just have to know. Well, okay. We got one last case quick. Yeah. I understand that. We've had so many burial cases yeah, here on Cases yeah. Gone Wild. Yeah. I feel like really? there's, yeah, dude, yeah. people coming back to life. Yeah. Every, just about every case has gone wild. Now, I hear that you have a crazy, this one crazy stays with funeral me. case. I'll be on my deathbed. I think I'll remember this one. And hopefully it doesn't happen to me. So I'm representing a casket company and um, this gentleman, uh, gentleman, a, a rather large gentleman passed away. Really great family guy by all accounts. Passed away at work, just a, a physical, uh, had an issue. Um, maybe he's 400 pounds like that. Big dude. Big dude. And so the families of somewhat limited means and they're religious. Uh, and and so they say, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We're buying a pine box. We're buying the, the most inexpensive pine box. Can you just fit them in there? So they so do. So it's literally just like five sides of pine board simple yeah as Nailed simple together. as can be they get him in there it's a freezing cold day of the funeral he's going to be buried up on top of a hill they carry the casket to the top of the hill they get to the top of the hill it's freezing cold out he busts through the bottom of the casket with everybody there with everybody there and it was a and like beloved guy Really nice family. So at everyone's the funeral, there. Everybody's there. He's rolling down the hill. He's wearing a shroud and the shroud just pops up. So his naked body. So he's naked. His he's naked dead body is to the rolling bottom. down the hill. He's got rigor mortis. Now the casket's broken. Is he like hitting rocks and yeah, stuff? Yeah, he's bouncing down. He's rolling down. Like it couldn't be. Are people more. It's screaming? It's like a cartoon. Crying. And in the, in the depositions, we deposed, you know, half a dozen family members and other friends and, you know, people that were there. They're in tears. The family can never go to another funeral. They're mortified. Now, here's what I, I, the happy ending, I mean, the sad ending is ultimately they find a metal casket. They jam him in there. He will barely fit and he's got rigor mortis and it just Wait, at the same day? At there. So they have to run to the bottom of the hill. Get him. Get the dead guy. Him, recover him. Cover and him is with he a like all bashed up? Oh, and like it's his a mess. Head. It's a mess. And so they finally get him into a metal casket. So, but he won't fit in the metal he casket? He will barely fit in. They have to like, they have to like make And is the movements. family watching them like stuff his dead body into the metal casket? We, I, I, I the guy was of limited means in his lifetime. The family, trust me, the family got paid very well for that, as they should, as they should, by by a number of, of uh, defendants paid 
a little bit here, a little bit there, a lot of it here, a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like it was the guy was like, I'm going out. I'm going to go out with a bang. I couldn't leave you this money in, in my lifetime, but but here's here uh, it is. here's here's, oh uh, my here's some money. And it was there, a significant amount. That is crazy. It there's, was so crazy. There's, there's been a lot of funeral cases. And it's the most emotional time, right? We all know from going to funerals. I mean, not for everybody. Sometimes you're at a funeral. It's a friend's friend's friend's, you know, right, right. grandparent. But it's and, sad. But it's always sad. But when it really hits close like that, and then something wild happens like that. I mean, yeah. you can't, we would just, it was really, really, uh, those were some interesting depositions. Yeah. Well, yeah. Judge, thank you yeah. so thank much you. for being here. This was, thank this you, John. was great. Yeah, great. This was so interesting. I We're so happy to have you Appreciate here as, yeah. as a judge in gross point. Point, and I know you'll Loving do a great it. job for the citizens. Thank I you. know that you already are. And thanks for coming on Cases Gone awesome. Wild. Thanks, John. See you. Thank you, everybody, for another amazing episode of Cases Gone Wild. Please, if you or someone you know needs legal help, don't hesitate to reach out to us. I am John Marco. My law firm is Marco Law. You can reach us online, www.marcolaw.com, or give us a call, 313-777-7LAW. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Audible, YouTube, anything else. There's hundreds of ways to contact us. Until next time, we'll see you in two weeks for another Cases Gone Wild.